everybody, this is Dr. Kristen here with our next episode of Macros and Mindset, Bariatric Living and Beyond. And I am here today with a very special guest, um, my admin, Joan Chernikoff. So who is an admin for Bariatric Mindset Mavens, my, my Facebook group, and is also a member of my group program, and who has come such a long way in her weight loss journey that I just had to have you on, Joni. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yay. So because I know our listeners may not know you, I want you to share more about your journey because, because what I'm so excited about this episode is that we're going to be talking about aging, weight loss, and acceptance. And I know that you have your own journey and experience about that. And so I'd love for you to share with our listeners um, when you got bariatric surgery, a little bit about your journey and what you've discovered about this. And feel free to share how young you are if if... <laughs> to inspire others always. Okay. Let's see. I had the bariatric sleeve surgery in 2015. So I am post-surgery five years. And um, I had the surgery when I was 68 years old. That's amazing. And I was very um, leery about having it because of age and um, I, uh, gave it up to God and said, you show me the way. And I went to a, um, uh, a, like a little luau thing, a little party thing that, that my bariatric center was giving. And I had, I had just said that, yeah, I'll try this. So I went and it was all of the people who are in the support group at that program. And they were putting on a luau for anyone who was new to the program. And so the first person I went up to or came up to me was a woman. And I said, um, I'm having some difficulties with this decision. You know, I just feel like I'm too old to be doing this. I'm 68 years old. Is this really going to work? Is it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me and she said, I'm 72. Wow. And I knew right then it was for me. So I went through the, the process and, um, the bariatric center that I am with is a very strong center and it is very involved in its patients and it has a very strong support group prior to COVID. And um, we met every Tuesday night and we did things. Uh, they had like uh, dinner parties and, and um, social things amongst the group. And it was so much um easier socializing with people who are in the same situation you are food wise, because no matter where I went in the, in my, um, going to say 50 years of dieting, food was always a situational problem because I just, the situation. (laughs) Um, so I, um, so that was very positive. It was a very positive thing for me to have. And, um, during that time, I had no problems with the bariatric surgery, thank God. I didn't have um, any uh, repercussions. I, it went smoothly for me. I followed the plan. Um, when it became, I don't want to say difficult, when it became a challenge for me was when I was in um, probably my, at my two and a half, three year point. And that's when my honeymoon ended and it became very challenging to um, stay on program. And I happened to be in Florida at that time. I am retired and I happened to be in Florida at the time. And um, there was no support group there or anything like that. And even though I could get on Facebook with my support group, it still wasn't the same thing doing things. I was doing everything pretty much by myself. Came across on Facebook. Um, Kristen's book, Success, Bariatric Success, Mindful Success. Oh, I forget, I even forget the name, but I read it. I read it twice. 
it changed me, changed my whole thinking process. And of course, I jumped right in, bought the book, bought the workbooks, bought, you know, the whole nine yards, and then realized she had this bariatric maven's page. And I got on this page right away, even before I got the book. Then that led, all of that reading led to her opening up her coaching group, Mm -hmm. jumped right into that one. And that was a life-changing experience for me, because that was the support I needed for post-surgery, that there is a area or there is a time in your surgical process where you are um, kind of trying to muddle your way back into the real world. Oh, yeah. Because your body is getting back into the real world and adjusting. And this was a great help in making me realize that I had and still have a diet mindset Mm. and to work through that takes a long time and I'm still doing it, but it's the diet mindset versus the healthy mindset. And in these programs, this one and another private program that Kristen, that Dr. Kristen does is a way to work with that mindset. And, um, it has helped me tremendously and brought me to where I am here. Through that, I learned and of um, Patricia and her bariatric kitchen, my bariatric kitchen program, and signed up for that and learned. Probably the best thing I learned was how to do my macros. And her mantra is pick the plan, prep the plan, follow the plan. And I just keep doing that through my head all the time because it is, it doesn't matter what plan it is. doesn't matter. You know, you just got to get it and do it. And hers happened to work for me beautifully. And um, I've just learned so much from these women. I'm sorry. I was just going to say the food is delicious. Oh, it is. It is. And it's, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and because um, I'm retired, I have more time on my hands so that I can you know, prepare those meals and, and, and do that kind of stuff. And she taught me how to um, do it so that being alone, I didn't have to make as much. She has a single person program and stuff like that. Anyway, so I have become involved in that and being involved in these support groups um, have made me more aware of what I need to be doing to stay healthy. I want to be healthy. I have three grandchildren. I want to be able to move easily. And so um, they added a third uh, person, Natalie, who does the eFit program. And I do that. And between these three women, um, my life is just totally different. And you do eFit every day. I do eFit. She has a, a program that's 10 minutes every day. And I am now 73, soon to be 74. So I'm not in to be a bodybuilder. Right. And um, so I just want to keep my joints moving. And 10 minutes a day with her um, program really works for me. I can fit it in. I don't have to say, oh, my God, I got to do this. I can just go do it, get it done, and it's over. And I love it. But um, the whole combination of the three of you women has been tremendous for me. Um, and of course the support on the Facebook pages are beyond, uh, wonderful. So I'm here at 73 years old, soon to be 74, and I am down 100 pounds and, um, feeling pretty good. I, you know, have aches and pains like everybody else, but we're working through it. What can you do now? hundred pounds down, or what are you doing now that you could not do before at 68 with an extra hundred pounds? When I first lost my weight, um, so it was about, you know, a year after I got a, uh, on my bicycle and I rode my bicycle a lot. And not only did I ride my bicycle, I bought a bike rack that you put on your car and I have an SUV. So I had to put it in a hitch you know, that you put on your car, you have to pick it up and to put it in the hitch. And then I'm only five one. So I have to lift up my bike, put it on the hitch. And I did it. 
I would take my bike and I'd go wherever I wanted to go and I had a ball. I'd ride, ride with friends. We'd ride on trails on 10 miles. I'd go by myself. I'd go with friend. I'd do whatever. So that was the biggest change for me. What would you say to other women in their 60s or even early 70s, right? Or late 50s, 60s, early 70s that they might say, well, she's different. She's not like me. Um, or, um, well, she can do it, but I can't. Or there must be something special about her. What, what would you say to maybe naysayers of, um, well, I have 150 pounds to lose or, um, or, or something along those lines with well, regards to your journey and inspiration that others might need to hear? I would say that is BS. I won't say the whole thing. <laughs> um, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm just, I'm just me. And I was so consumed with dieting for so many years that it was a freedom. It was a, a totally freeing um, experience. And I knew that I could do other things. Why not try them? What, what, could, what could stop me? If I couldn't do it, then I didn't do it. Um, but there was no reason why I couldn't do it. I, I was healthy and I was feeling good. Plus with the coaching group, it gives you the motivation to do a little bit more. It makes you um, think on the things that are holding you back. Why is it holding you back? And um, I will say this, that Kristen is not easy and she digs and digs and digs, but she gets there. And um, through all that digging and chipping away, um, you become a stronger person and believe in yourself more and more and more. And that's where I think a lot of the 50 years of dieting brought me to feeling that I had no self-esteem. You know, people are looking at me and they're looking at my weight. I even feel that way now because um, I have gotten away from our support, our bariatric support group at the office, at the bariatric office because of COVID. And I am like everyone else, isolating pretty much. So it's, you don't have that. So a couple pounds come on. And it's like people are looking at me and saying, oh, she put on a couple pounds or oh, she put on, that's the old diet mindset. Right. And you give us um, tools to work with that. And I keep work trying to bring them up and working with those that um, all the things that you've taught us and um, it works remarkably well. You've done a good job. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, but there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing. I, I totally believe that. And I just wanted to hear that from your perspective. And when you, when you first started, I remember when you first started with me, um, we, we did some tech trainings, right? Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. I was so scared. Yes. We did some tech trainings, but, but we got you up and running right away. And, uh, and then there were some other, other things that came up. Yes, definitely the self-esteem, but I think this is going to really bring us back to our core message for today and our core topic for today, which is aging weight loss and acceptance. Now, um, one of the other things that I know I was planning on talking about is, uh, women who are going through menopause as they go through surgery and the fear of menopausal weight gain due to hormonal changes. Um, but you were post-menopause when you had your surgery. Yes. yes. And um, as a woman who was 68 who had the surgery, uh, because this was something that you and I talked about, you know, pre-show, pre-pre-game mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. which was that we and women and, and men can get into a negative mentality or a, um, a mentality of why bother? I'm, I'm 68, Definitely. I'm 74, Definitely. I'm Definitely. such and such age, like why, why bother? And I think that that's a powerful thing that I'd like to discuss with you and, and for us to challenge for our listeners because I think that that can be such a devastating mindset 
for mind, body, and spirit, especially for someone who really wants to embrace life versus, versus the alternative. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it is, um, post-menopause, um, I didn't have any difficulty going through menopause. So, um, it just kind of happened in this way, but, um, and I do not take, um, hormones. Now I can't speak for the people who do. So I don't know if taking the hormones would be a problem with the weight gain. I don't know that. Um, my situation with gaining weight after post-menopause was, um, I went through a divorce and, um, I just didn't care, you know, if, if, um, the self-esteem, if my ex wasn't attracted, he, he was involved with someone else. So if my ex was, wasn't attracted to me, nobody else would. So what difference does it make? Mm. And, um, so when I worked through that, and that took a long time because I felt that way until I had my surgery. Why bother? I'm just, this makes me feel good. Um, and that goes back to the diet mentality. And aging has been a process for me, um, mostly since I had my surgery. I think probably when I turned 70, it kind of really hit me. And um, I, I refer back to... Um, things in my past about like, I was there when my mother passed and is this how I'm going to do it and stuff like that. I don't, I want to be in the present and what the coaching has helped me with is to be in the present rather than um, looking forward. Cause I can't control anything that's coming forward. You know, um, to me, God, that's in God's hands. And so I've got to live for today and right now. And that's one of the things we have worked through in coaching and work with and constantly work with. I think it's an, I think it's a universal problem. I think as we age, we get more secluded and pandemic has made it even worse. Um, you're, I watched, you know, as my mom's friends passed on and you get a smaller group of people. Um, so trying to not think ahead, Trying to live in the now is what I think the aging thing is all about. And it's hard. I, I, it's not an easy thing. And um, Dr. Kristen does um, talk a lot about it and uh, worked me through it in a lot of cases. And um, I go back to a lot of things that she said and I go back to her. But um, it is a major thing both men and women. I can't speak for the men, but I can know that it's a universal thing. And, and you, you slow down, you, you just normal. Yeah. Like, um, and like say um, we were gonna go on a kayak trip. I would stop and think, oh, am I gonna be able to get in and out of that kayak easy? You don't, you're older, you don't. That's just the way it is. So accepting those facts, and being okay with making the adjustments you have to. Maybe I have to get a different kayak than everybody else. Maybe I need help getting in and out of the kayak. And the acceptance of that versus the fighting of it. And I'm going to be as young as they are. Or I'm not going to do it because I can't do it right. 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 Or I can't do it the way they're doing it. The the peer pressure thing or whatever. Although nobody would care. Nobody would care if you had to have a special... If I was handicapped, they would help me. Um, so um, that acceptance is major and it's difficult. Well, with that, I, I want to give some, some tools or tips to our listeners. So one of the things that I've taught you guys in my coaching group <clears throat> is something that um, individuals can also learn from, from therapy as well. Um, which are uh, one of the things that I like to teach are uh, DBT skills. So dialectical behavior skills. And some people can learn these from a dialectical behavior therapist as well. But these skills, these tools are, are just one of the things that I like to share. And what I, one of the things I will teach on is 
that one of the founding formulas of dialectical behavior therapy, DBT, is acceptance and change. Accepting what is in the now, accepting this situation. So if somebody is 100 pounds overweight, it's acceptance. So acceptance is not, I like it. Acceptance is not, um, I'm going to stay here. Acceptance is not um, living with it, right? <laughs> acceptance is, okay, this is the situation. It, and it almost like it, it is what it is. And then merging that with change, which is acknowledging this is where I'd like to be. This is where I'd like to go. This is uh, what I'd like to work on. And so that formula of accepting age, accepting I'm 68, accepting I'm 74, accepting, you know, for listeners, how, whatever age you are, right? You might be in your 50s, accepting I am this age and accepting I'm not going to get any younger. And then to say, what can I do with what I have? What can I do to better my chances, increase um, flexibility, mobility, um, increase my lifespan, right? So that's the other thing that we know is obesity and uh, co-occurring health conditions, co-occurring disorders can shorten one's potential lifespan. And so I actually wanted to add something and share something um, <clears throat> that also, in addition to just sharing and teaching that little piece of, of that skill that we can adopt and start to look at is um, I, I don't see this lifestyle change as a diet. So I see it as um, a process. Um, I, I see lifestyle changes, something that we continue to learn from absolutely every single day. I think there are four things that individuals over 60, over 50 um, can do to continue to stretch themselves in a healthy way that can also contribute to this idea of lifestyle change. And the first one is something you've already talked about, which is to stay strong. Because what do we know? What do they, what have all the doctors tell us? Oh, we've got to be careful of osteoporosis. We have to make sure that we maintain our muscle mass. Like you said, I'm not going to be a bodybuilder, but I need to stay strong. So we need right. to offset the potential muscle mass loss with strength training. And, and I can't tell you how many women I see that go, Oh, I'm not losing weight. I'm not losing weight. Or I'm stuck at a plateau or I'm stuck in a stall. And I'll say, have you talked to Natalie or have you, you know, are you doing any strength training? Do you have a gym? Do you have a trainer? You know, what, what have you got going on? Oh no, I don't want to bulk up. No, no, no. We, we've got a tone though, right? You can use weight machines at the gym. You can hold hand weights. Um, you can even do your own body weight, yoga, Pilates, but, but maintaining muscle mass is key to burning fat, right? To be, to burning calories, but also the more muscle you have, the more fat you burn. And that's just, it's something we've learned. Scientific, first of all. Right, right. Science. And then, um, making sure that we're eating more protein because when someone who's aging is at risk for losing muscle mass, you've got to make sure that you're, and again, I don't like the word diet, but you know, they call it, you know, what you eat is considered your diet, right? So your, your plan or what have you includes enough protein and that you're following the protocols that the ASMBS gives out to most bariatric patients and that you, you know, have a bariatric nutritionist or, um, dietitian, right. And that's, you know, Patricia has these consults that you're getting enough protein. And I even had a, an, a free course that I offered called the, um, mindset behind your macros purposefully, because I don't think people knew why do I have to eat protein? And it tells you all the reasons about protein and water and 
Exactly. So if you guys are interested, head on over to Mavens and there's a link in, in Bariatric Mindset Mavens where you can access this free four week course. Um, it's absolutely free. So protein keeps you fuller longer, right? All of the research that I did that was in that little mini free course, um, I accessed from Mayo Clinic, I accessed from Cleveland Clinic, I accessed from all of these different sources that had to do with weight loss surgery, ASMBS, et cetera. So, and it's more of why, why is this protocol set up this way, right? Protein keeps you fuller longer, helps with weight loss, right? There's also the recommendation of, you know, salmon, eggs, you know, um, whey, right? Isolate protein powder. And that we also focus on really quality proteins for our bodies. And then the next thing is hydration, water, water, water. And sometimes thirst can mask itself as hunger. So if you're not drinking enough, you may start to graze throughout the day. And as you get older, you may not notice when you're thirsty. And so we all need to be getting 64 ounces of water a day. I know Patricia just did an episode on water, which is awesome. And we, we older individuals, both men and women really need to make sure that they're hydrated because the other thing is it also helps to flush toxins. So making sure that you're getting enough water and then Plus there's every organ in your body that needs water to be sustained. Absolutely. I didn't realize that till I heard uh, Patricia say that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then paying attention. I love, I love, love, love the idea of tracking. And again, for those in the diet mentality, it's like, oh, I've got to track my food and diet. It's like, no, no, no. It's just data. Like it's just data. You know, I'm seven years out. And so I, I actually do a tracking rotation. I don't necessarily track um, every single day at seven years out. I track one week a month, but I'm very honest with it. But that one week a month helps me go er, back to center, er, back to center, because we can, we can veer off path. And so that's where I know, okay, I'm, I'm on it. And then I start to get back in my flow and I pay attention to, oh, right. Um, I ate this or I ate that. So that helps me, you know, could I track all four weeks? You know, sure. Um, but one of the things that I know is enough for me at seven years post-op is tracking one week a month because it's just enough to keep me focused and on track. And so that's um, going back to know thyself. That's going back to know thyself. So one of the other tools that I've given you guys, um, and, and I'm happy to share with everybody here is you need to know yourself. And I actually have a couple of notes here that I can, that I can give you guys because know thyself is, is very powerful. And again, first you were just saying you were in a diet mentality for 50 years. Well, you're not going to snap out of that in three months or six months. It, it's going to take consistent, you know, mindset shifts and changing those neuro pathways in your brain. And you guys may have heard me say this before, but that super highway, that, that neuro pathway, super highway in your brain is that path that you always take. It's, it's like autopilot. So when you're driving home from somewhere, sometimes you can, your brain can just turn off or you can start thinking about something else. Oh, what am I going to do for Christmas gifts for my kids? Or what am I going to do? And you end up in your driveway. You just end up there because your brain is just on autopilot. Well, that is exactly how people can, can say to me, Kristen, I ate a half a box of crackers or, you know, slider foods, or I just did this. I wasn't even there. Like I wasn't even present. That's autopilot behavior or uh, nighttime snacking where, where people really get into, ah, I need something. I need something. And I'll, and I'll share some info on that in a, in a second. But what my point is, is that those old neuro pathways have been well-worn just like um, what is it? Route 66 or, or, or um, you know, I-95 in Florida or 285 in Atlanta. Um, or like you're walking the same path on your carpet after 10 years, it's worn. And it's worn. 
And so to flip over to a new neuropathway, it's going to be uncomfortable because it's foreign. It's like driving on a dirt road. And when you drive on a dirt road, you know, it's bumpy, like just for a second, everybody think about you driving on a dirt road. What does that feel like? Like your car is kind of going back and forth and it's not as smooth and well-worn. So you need practice with it. And at first it's going to be uncomfortable. And the more that you get accustomed to it, get used to it and practice it, the easier it becomes. And that becomes your well-worn path. And does that mean you will never slip up and go back to the old ways? No, you may. And that's where we really need to be practicing grace, compassion, and again, picking ourselves up and saying, hey, okay, we got caught off guard, or this was a moment of not even weakness, but this was a moment where I either wasn't prepared or I didn't have um, my plan thought out, or, um, it was a situation. So we've got to also learn from that and say, okay, okay. self, you know, I know you're doing the best that you can with what you have, you know, hand over your heart. And I know that that was not intentional, that it was just what happened. One of the things, one of the things that you taught us in that um, I try real, real hard to keep in the forefront of my mind is grace and the 80, 20 concept that to get out of your diet brain and to become a healthy brain is to have grace. And, um, it's, you know, if you're on the program, 80% of the time, that's fantastic. It is. And if you slip and it equivalates, equip, whatever it is, um, equivalent. To, equivalent to 20% of the time, that's okay. And it's okay to do that. Um, It's allowing yourself to fall down and picking yourself back up. When it's also allowing. um, And acceptance of it. Acceptance of it. And it's also allowing for, I remember last year you were flying and you were mad at yourself because of pretzels on the plane. This is pre-COVID. Yeah. And I said, why not? If you could switch out your snack that you had brought with you, because you had brought a snack with you, because you really wanted those pretzels on the plane, what's wrong with having the pretzels on the plane? You track them, you include them in your macros, and... You, I remember like your eyes got big, like that blew your mind. Yeah. Diet brain. Yeah. Diet brain was like, I should not have pretzels. I could never have them again. It was a pre-packaged little bag. You wanted them. It wasn't an emotional reaction. It wasn't an outburst. It was, I want these pretzels. And so I think that's how we get out of diet brain is by honoring our desires, and by learning how to trust ourselves. Because I think that's the thing that I see in a majority of the bariatric patients that I work with is that they don't trust themselves with food. Right. I don't. I don't even now. Because if I have those, if I have that thing of pretzels or whatever it is, I know in my mind, I'm going to go for more. Even though there aren't any available? Yeah, I'd probably go out and get them. If it's that bad, I don't do that now, but I would have. And so that's where you've shifted. Yeah, that's where I'm trying. You know, that's where I know in my mind, yeah, you could go out and get them. So I, I fight with that. Um, so it's a work in progress all the time. It's never going to be over. Right. Um, it's going to be easier to understand and to accept but it's never going to be over. I, I saw today on the Maven's page where they had that statue of the girl chipping away at herself um, and her body is formed on the top and it's yeah. heavier on the bottom. And I thought, you know, that's a perfect example because I'm always going to be chipping away, always. Right. And I need to accept that. And accept yeah. that it's not for, it's not for not, or it's not for nothing because when you 
are living healthy, when you are, you know, doing the things, eating the protein, eating the majority of healthy foods, right? 80% of the time you're hydrated, you're moving. Um, then you are increasing the chances of living longer, living healthier, living better, enjoying that life versus, I mean, what's the, what's the alternative? I don't know what it was. Right. I know what I was like pre-op and I wasn't moving. Like I was, I was in a recliner. I was, it was eating bad, but then I felt bad. So, so when you eat crap, you feel like crap, right? Because what are you, what are you fueling your, your body with is, and not that, and I know this was um, something that I had mentioned in a, in a previous episode that, you know, the majority of the food that we eat is, is for fuel. You know, that doesn't mean that we don't get to enjoy it. We absolutely get to enjoy our food. And yet it's also that our system is running on what we put in. So if we put in a majority of junk, what are, what is the expectation of how our system is going to run? And again, that's why I think the very friendly alternatives that we can have um, for ourselves are, are again, healthier options. So, and, and when I say healthier options, I honestly don't know what other people think. But I'm, I'm just going to say this because I think it's important. My first two years after, before I met Patricia, I ate mostly like bar food. And people might be like, what do you mean bar food? Um, what, what I craved were like Philly cheesesteak, you know, hamburgers, <laughs> like chicken fingers and things like that, like bar food. And you guys might be totally judging me right now. But every time I made something like that, it was very friendly you know, Philly cheesesteak I made with London broil meat, um, that was from, that was from the deli and, you know, peppers, onions, mushrooms, and a little bit of provolone, low carb, high protein. And I got my veggies in, but there was no bun. There was, you know, I didn't have a lot of fat added to it. Um, when I wanted quote unquote chicken tenders, I made my own, like literally nearly zero fat, zero sugar, like, um, honey mustard sauce with, when I say chicken fingers, I would take tenderloins and bake them, you know, no breading and, um, similar with, um, like hamburgers, I would take the low fat meat. And now I love Patricia's big Mac salad. Right. Mm -hmm. So my point is you do not have to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Thank you. We do not have to sacrifice flavor, right? Because in the Big Mac salad, I put tomatoes and cucumbers and things like that. So there's, again, it's like we can eat yummy stuff and also eat low carb and, you know, healthier. So I'm going to say that. So I'm going to go back to know thyself real quick, because I know there's also a lot of people out there. And I think I saw a bariatric article yesterday that talked actually about food addiction. So, and the reason I bring this up is because there are a lot of people out there that think that they're food addicts. I am not a food addict. I am an emotional eater. I'm a recovering emotional eater. And I know that for sure. I actually thought that I was a food addict prior to surgery, but I am not because I have gotten to a point where I don't think about food all day. I don't think about absolutely every meal. I don't obsess about food. And that's another thing that I've worked on through brain training is how to shift my brain out of um, obsessing about food or having food as my fulfillment, I have shifted out of that. And also I recognize that the reasons I were eating or I was eating was as a result of the inability to handle my emotions. And so it's important to understand the distinction between food addiction and emotional eating. And while that's not the core of my message today, I'm, I'm going to kind of like, just put that out there that not everybody who needs to have bariatric surgery is a food addict. Um, not everybody has food addiction. And that's an important distinction to say. The other thing is, um, because right now I'm working with a lot of people who are really still struggling with giving up soda or giving up carbonated beverages, even though the surgeons and doctors and physicians have said, no, no, 
no carbonation after surgery, there are, you know, no judgment. There are people who do return to soda for whatever reason. And, and you can also say, oh, well, they're addicted to it. Well, whether you decide it's an addiction or whether you decide that it's an, an emotional response to a stressor, that they're going back to something for comfort, um, there are also two different types of people. Someone who can give these things up cold turkey or have to give these things up cold turkey because like what you were saying, if I have one, then I fall down that rabbit hole. So it's better for me to have none than for me to have one. So know thyself is, okay, I can't have any period. I can't have sugar. I can't have carbonated beverages. I can't have chips or um, crisps, which they call them in Europe. Um, I can't have that, right? So know thyself. You need to know if this is you or not. The alternative is, okay, I can have a small package or I can have X, Y, or Z in moderation. Know thyself. If you don't know yourself and know who you are and how you work, that's also potentially a struggle that you'll continue to fight because you'll judge yourself against others. Well, she can do that or he can do that. And why can't I do that? Know thyself. This is, this is not one size fits all. And then the other thing that's important to know is, are you a control freak? (laughs) Are you a people pleaser? Do you have issues with boundaries, right? <laughs> there, there are a lot of other things that play into know thyself. And I'm not going to go through through my entire, entire list for the sake of time. But this is something that I wanted to bring up because the other thing with the aging process is that some people will say, oh, well, I'm just set in my ways and I can't change. You know, the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I, I disagree we still have neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the ability to change our brains, to see the growth of new neurons, neurons in our brain, neurons that fire together, wire together. That's science. And I know that you've learned a lot in, in the time that you've been working with me. So yes, yes also, also with the aging process, right? Um, you've seen that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. Yep. Um, there's a, a, a picture floating around somewhere of this elderly woman sitting on a, a stoop and she's in these quirky clothes and, and, and uh, combat boot type thing, smoking a cigar. And I think that's me. That's what I want to be. I just want to be that free and that in love with myself the way I am. Yes. And um, that's the process we're going through and we're working through and we're going towards. Right. And we can do it. Right. Well, the other thing I wanted to bring up um, in this episode was about menopause. And I know that you and I had already talked about um, that you had your surgery after menopause. I'm also working with a lot of women who are having either surgery premenopause or perimenopausal. And I wanted to discuss a couple things and I did some research and um, there's one article from the Mayo Clinic that is not about bariatrics actually, but it's about menopause and weight gain. And so one of the things that suggested via the Mayo Clinic is to step up activity, which we just talked about just a couple minutes ago, right? Um, Really getting a variety of vegetables uh, and fruits and increasing protein. This is non-bariatric. So of course it's, it's also going to help those who are bariatric because we need those vitamins and nutrients and women entering menopause need those vitamins and nutrients. I'm, I'm not quite there yet, (laughs) but um, we're all headed in that direction, right? No matter how young. Absolutely. So to enjoy a healthy diet. And so one of the things that's notable, because I know that there are women out there potentially freaking out, of course, there's COVID weight gain, right? Because of the isolation and other things. And so that's, that's one thing we've got to show grace, stay on track to the best of our abilities, but also honor our bodies where they are and not beat yourself up. If you have experienced COVID regain uh, for any reason, 
and just to continue to, to work your plan and to not beat yourself up because it's, it's could be stress, right? And when you have stress, the cortisol increases and there's a whole process there that could be stress weight. And so give yourself some grace to, to allow yourself to lose it. Um, but this does not mean go into a deep calorie deprivation or depriving yourself. It's just about honoring your body where you are. And this is also where that trust process comes in. That can be very difficult because I see people all over the internet going, Oh, have you tried Weight Watchers? Oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And it's like, guys, it's, it's not about trying anything extreme. It's about honoring you your body and where you are now, it's about making peace with your body, not fighting with your body. Right. And so when it comes to menopause, there could be this increase in what we call this fight or this, this anger at one's body because of the hormones and not everyone who enters menopause is likely to gain weight. So I want to share that not everyone has a difficult time. Some people have a difficult time with menopause. Others do not. There is another article that I've been sharing in my community lately that actually comes from Attitude Magazine because I also work with individuals with ADD or ADHD. And one of the things that I've seen a spike in in my practice is women who are entering menopause or perimenopausal, and they're experiencing a lot of distraction, confusion, and it and there's the potential, right? I'm, I'm not diagnosing them, but I'm saying go to see your uh, therapist, psychiatrist, primary care physician, because there could be the potential of a interaction between menopause and an increased um, propensity for an ADD diagnosis, ADHD diagnosis. Wow. And so that's as a result of the changes in hormones. So if that sounds like you out there, um, you know, look up perimenopause and ADD, and there's an attitude article about it. <clears throat> um, or you can also come to bariatric mindset mavens and you'll find it there. So the hormonal changes don't necessarily cause menopause weight gain. However, the weight gain is usually related to aging and lifestyle and genetic factors. Now, again, because of the hormone changes that can occur in menopause, there's also a shift in mood. And the other thing that's important to honor is as women, and I'm talking specifically about women, but as women enter menopause, there can also be something that changes in your mind regarding your worth. Because as you know, society largely puts um, the power in the hands of younger women and tends to discard older women. So when women enter menopause, there could be this change or grief that they're experiencing with regards to, oh my gosh, it's happening. Like this is the next phase. And there's some women who are totally fine with it. Like, don't get me wrong. There's some women that, that, you know, handle it like badasses. There are others that it, it can be a real mourning process, especially for women who have menopause early, especially for women who have infertility issues and who want um, that this marks most certainly that they won't have children and so on and so forth. So, and, and there are a lot of genetic factors that also play a role in menopausal weight gain. And the other thing that I learned from the clinic is that um, menopausal weight gain, when it does happen, it's more likely to happen in one's midsection than on the hips or the thighs. So that was something that I found very interesting that I wanted to share. And, um, one of the other things that they note is if you continue to eat as you always have, and you don't increase your physical activity, you're more likely to gain weight. And then other factors that can contribute to menopausal weight gain are a lack of exercise and healthy eating, not getting enough sleep, et cetera, et cetera. And those could be also interwoven with mood changes and the hormone changes may not bring on the weight, but the hormone changes may bring on a shift in mood so much so that it's impacting whether a person says, 
I just don't feel I can today. I'm not going to go walk. Oh, I don't have time to cook. I'm just going to eat X. I'm just going to order out. And then we, we see this development over time of potentially, right? Potentially not for everybody, but maybe like some learned helplessness or uh, some why bother, which we, which we had talked about. And this is actually where the support is needed more than ever because it's the support needed to say, I can do this. I will do this. I'm, I'm right. taking these steps and I'm going to honor my body versus I have to lose this weight. I'm not worthy at X, Y, Z weight, or um, I'm not, I'm not worthy if I gain a couple pounds or what will people think? And one of the things that I encourage everybody listening to do is to, to witness your judgment, write it down in the journal, but also leave it at the door because judgment uh, criticism of self, criticism of weight gain, um, hating yourself does not contribute to weight loss. It actually contributes to weight gain. And that's the thing is we as bariatric patients, both men and women, and I, I even feel that men have a harder time with compassion uh, than, than women do. But to find that compassion and to really work on that relationship with self and honoring oneself, tuning into our needs as individuals, not only with regards to food, but in, in turn, in the essence of what we need in life. We need love, connection, community, right? Which we're lacking right now in COVID. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And may also contribute to emotional eating. Yep. I also think, um, we need to realize and accept the fact that it's okay to have to get help through this. It's okay to reach out and talk about it. It's okay to um, share in the groups that we've been in. Um, there is help for you. Um, you don't have to be alone. We're not in this alone. We're not in this alone. And I think it's very powerful when people share their truth regardless of how, regardless of how dark it may seem. I think mm -hmm. that's the other thing is I hear and see a lot of people that say I'm hopeless. And I say, welcome into the fold. Not that I'm agreeing, not that I believe that they are absolutely not quite the opposite. It's actually, I honor your ability to stay where you are, to stand in your truth in this moment, even if you believe yourself to be hopeless. I honor your truth and, you know, come into the fold, come into this community and allow us to be part of you and to have you become part of us because when you have that connection and community to be together, to say, no, you're not hopeless. You, when you say your truth, when you share your darkness, it actually empowers others to go, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Because you are brave enough to share that, to say, this is hard. However, the other thing I'm gonna say is, if you say this is hard, you come into the space, you say this is hard and there's nothing wrong with complaining. And you, you and I know that. <laughs> I don't mind you complain. You can bitch all day long. But if you bitch or you complain and you do nothing about it, I also expect that you take the responsibility with you. Exactly. Because, and, and this, is, this is another piece, only you can change you, only I can change me. And while we can give each other tips and tools and motivation and suggestions and love and compassion, that's what we get from our community and our connection. But I see a lot of people on all of these posts that they're able to witness. And I'm talking even other Facebook groups. Oh, I've gained 20 pounds. Oh, I've experienced this. Oh, I've experienced that. And then you're like, 
you know, what do I do? What do I do? I do this? Do I do that? And they're looking for the next diet. They're looking for the next, um, the thing that's going to save them. They're looking for the easy button. Guys, there's no easy way. If you're unwilling to dig into your own stuff, (laughs) that's, that's the thing. You've got to be willing to dig into your own stuff. This is why I tell people, get a therapist, get a therapist where you are. You've got to be willing to dig into your own stuff. Because if you come in and you say, I'm hopeless, I want a diet. I want to, I want this, I want that. The diet is not the reason you're struggling. Exactly. It's the, it's the patterns. It's the mindset. It's who you've always been, what you've always done, but we've got to, you know, uncover, rewire all of those things. And, and I know I've seen people say, I'm, I'm not willing to dig into my stuff. It doesn't have to be with me. It can be with anybody. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. And so here's the thing. If you want, you know, what's, what's the outcome? And for some people, it's not always weight loss. It could be, could be something else, but it could be that I want to hit goal. You've got to be willing to do the work. I know that there's another thing that Patricia has said, and this is where we get to these uncomfortable truths that Patricia has said in a previous podcast, um, you can't expect to get results from the work you didn't put in. Exactly. But the work, people think the work is eat the food, do the workout. Like what you just said, prep the plan. Like that's only part of the work. The other part of it is getting to know the true you. Mm -hmm. Stop fighting with yourself, making peace with yourself, letting go of, you know, transgenerational trauma, you know, intergenerational trauma. Like it's, it's working through self-esteem, self-worth issues. It's um, releasing childhood trauma, adult trauma. It's, uh, as you say, it's not the food. It's not the food. It's not the food. And so uh, I think the, the last piece here that, that I want to share about aging and weight loss and acceptance is, and, and I say this to you and to all the men and women who are listening, who are of, of a certain age, is you are still worth it. You can still make a difference in your life. You can still get on the floor with your grandkids. You can still put your bike on the bike rack, right? (laughs) You can still live a full life. Yep. And and it's not too late. And and I'm also going to put the caveat of, and you've also got to dig in your shit. Absolutely. And do the work. And the work is within you. It's not necessarily, uh, I meal prepped this week. That's a part of it. That's not, that's not the biggest part. So to, to work through the fear of digging. The work through the fear of digging and really cultivate vulnerability. You know, Brene Brown, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. And she talks about how vulnerability is courage. And it really is. It is. We have the ability to show ourselves to others, our true selves. That's courageous. Yes, it's, it is. It's courageous. And if we have the ability at, you know, 50, 60, 70 to say, I'm making this change for me. It doesn't matter what you think. That's courageous. That's courageous. Gary is help. Yeah, there's always help. There's always help. And again, whether it's your bariatric clinic, whether it's a local therapist, whether it's you decide to um, hang out with Patricia and myself and Natalie, whatever, whatever that looks like for you, I think is it's it's really you making that investment in yourself, an investment in terms of time, an investment in terms of energy, an investment in you doing the work for you. 
Right. So that's self-care. The, other, the self-care. self-care. Right. Any final words before, before we close today? Um, just that uh, we can do it and that uh, the three queens is what I call them. Are <laughs> a uh, blessing. Um, Dr. Kristen, Patricia, and Natalie. And um, if you haven't checked it out, please do that just for your own sake. Um, it's made a major, major change in my life. And I'm very thankful. And I'm honored to be on this journey with you. And I'm glad you're here with me today, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you everybody for listening. This ends another amazing uh, podcast episode, Aging, Weight Loss, and Acceptance. And remember, if you are wanting to be a guest on our show, be sure to go to My Bariatric Kitchen online and head over to podcast and fill out the request form. We do want to hear from you. Also, be sure to check out our groups. You can visit Dr. Kristen at Bariatric Mindset Mavens and Patricia at My Bariatric Kitchen. Lots of love, everybody. And we will see you on the next episode. Love and light. Bye. The content included in this podcast is for information and education purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your surgeon, physician, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical issue or concerns. Thanks.